Hello, Trash Future listeners. The following is a promo of this month's second Britonology featuring Joe Glenton and discussing the British Army. And just a reminder, we've also unlocked one of our $10 tier episodes to the $5 tier, and it's the episode where me, Milo, and Hussein watch a grim Channel 4 documentary about dogging. We've also unlocked the Christmas Panto episode to the free feed. All of the episodes I've described are linked in the show notes to this promo. Thank you for being a Trash Future listener, and I hope you enjoy. But something I was going to point out about the um, the officer enlisted divide is that I think the, the the really the kind of culture around it in America comes from the fact that you know for a long time America didn't have an active duty army officer corps that was not graduates of the mm. West Point the military academy at West mm. Point. But the way you get into West Point is by being appointed you know, by recommended by your elected representative. So, you know, mm. like every congressperson can send one person, I think, per year, and then each senator can send one, and then the governor and that kind of a thing. Um, mm. And so- Imagine being put under the command of the officer sent there by Jess Phillips. Yeah, I mean, so basically, yeah. I don't know how it works here, but but what that creates is you have situations where like, you know, a general like Omar Bradley, for example, from who was, you know, of World War II fame, was just like, this plowboy from fucking Kansas or Nebraska, I think, mm. who just was like a pretty good student and mm. wanted to be in the army and, you know, in like 1909 applied, wrote his congressman, you know, like, you know, <laughs> uh, who's probably like weird 19th century name, like dear congressman Fernando Sheridan or something like that. Mm. Uh, I want to go to West Point. And so he did. And like he, you know, Bradley famously like never smiled in his photos because he got his teeth knocked out in a car accident when he was in his 20s. Like he was absolutely extremely country. And then Mm. he goes on to be, you know, uh, a very senior, you know, four-star general in the U.S. Army in World War II. Not so much the case over here. And it's like, I'm not, uh, this isn't meant to be a wind up to a, you know, bad teeth joke. It's more that uh, I felt like the way one became an officer, particularly back then in the British Army and had a career where you became someone of that significance in the military military like mm. it, it wasn't entirely a hundred percent closed off to people who weren't from upper class backgrounds but it might as well have been it was like yeah. the impression that i get and i mean reading stuff like um uh was it goodbye to all that and stuff like that mm. i got the impression yeah, yeah. that like mm. yeah there was some social mobility because after the first year or so of world war one so many yeah. of those guys died that like they needed more officers yeah well at this exactly. point i think it behoves us to do a bit of history doesn't it because i think even going back a bit to the kind of like well there's n- there's not many of them and they haven't got much gear but they're hard sort of thing yeah i think kind of dates back to world war one where you've got like the british expeditionary force a hundred thousand of the world's flattest nose geezers um who are you know kneeling down in a field and shooting at the germans um and then uh the strategy of they were basically taking kids straight out of eton at like 17 18 and making them like platoon leaders and of course like uh, i think it's basically the highest casualty rate ever was british junior officers in world war one yeah. It's just funny because as a former captain, I'm like, that's a terrible idea. And I imagine for you, Joe, as as, as a former corporal, that's a fucking terrible idea. But you could imagine how to like an 18-year-old, yeah. they're like, oh, brilliant. I'm going to be an officer. I'm going to go do glory in battle. And it's like, like cricket. You are going to die. Yeah. See, it's, it's funny here, just to, just to go back briefly to the original point, I think mm. it, it varies from from cap badge to cap badge, regiment to regiment. I think there are, there are there's an, a, an element for meritocracy in the British way where under close inspection, it's not meritocracy at all. But like, I think in the in the corps, like the engineers or the logistics corps, uh, there are a lot of of young officers, subalterns who were like 
Mancunian or Scousers, mm. or, but and it's partly about, I suppose, about the expansion of university education, isn't mm. it? Like basically, you need a degree to get into Santos. Not everyone does. I mean, like Johnny Mercer just had A levels. Harry just had A levels, but he was always going to be an officer, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he barely think, had A levels. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, but I think I think like there are like if you are going to be an officer in the guards mm. or particular cavalry regiments, then I think you're gonna probably have descended from a long line of people who are in the same regiment. And I don't know if it's still a stipulation, but a lot of those units, you need to have a second income because mm. that's how you can pay off the fines in in uh, excellent port that you get in the mess for turning up later with the wrong hat on or whatever. Um, so I think it, it, there, there's, there's, you know, in certain units, the, the not the very smart regiments, which you see cutting around London. Um, mm. uh, outside of that, there probably is some scope for, to be like working class and an officer or lower middle class and, and get a commission and so on and so on. So I think it's a, it's a weird mix of things in, uh, in the British military in the other services. I'm not so sure. So someone did mm. to come back to your other point, tell me the other day, an ex RAF guys, he was like, the RAF's got it right. Cause it's the only service that sends you the officers do all the fighting and everyone else stays at the back. <laughs> the officers are all pilots. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's, that's actually quite a good idea. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, yeah, it's a mix of things here. I think in terms of, the class makeup of the the officer corps as it were yeah i'd agree with i mean again my perception of it as being like completely not involved in the military but um uh, i know quite a few people who've ended up being army officers i know a couple mm. of people who were quite posh who went in from cambridge to like and they interviewed at guards regiments and were both yeah. like even this is too much for me like people who went to boarding school and are like you guys are too posh like this <laughs> yeah. is like a level like one of my mates said he was at the interview for i think it was the grenadier guards and another guy was sat next to him who was also interviewing and one of the like captains who was doing the interview whatever came out and was like oh bloody good show i know your brother yes you're an exeter aren't you and how is the rugger um and just like that he was like no i just cannot yeah. fucking do this i'm just gonna yeah. leave there is no equivalent to that to my knowledge in the u.s army i mean mm. the other branches yeah. of service maybe i don't i don't think so uh, what i will say is that there are certain things where uh like there was a joke for a while that in the ranger regiment there was uh which is a whole special thing in, in mm. the u.s army that there was sort of a cult that like if you went to west point and specifically if you played rugby at west point like you had an in like rugby because, at west point yeah, yes there was uh rugby is ru rugby is kind of like it's not really a posh sport in america it's more of like a psycho sport like friends of mine who were super in shape stoners played rugby like mm. that's that's uh, kind of the vibe whereas lacrosse obviously super super posh equivalent in america yeah but like yeah well, we, I, I, west point was like uh like the west point rugby team the, the one of the coaches mm. for the team or the assistant coaches was like an active duty army officer who then went on to be like mm. a senior officer in the ranger regiment and so there was that kind of a thing but that level of like the fanciness i didn't ever encounter that the only thing i could say is that in some units, like there's an there's a single brigade of uh, air, mm. of airborne units in a, one brigade combat team based out of um, uh, Camp Ederly in Vicenza, Italy, mm -hmm. and it's like considered the most high sex assignment you can get, like just because it's a cool place to be stationed and it's a light infantry airborne unit and stuff. Obviously, getting ass assigned. And so, like yeah. that's like super West Point heavy. Like if the the lieutenants who go there, the guys who get to be company commanders there, like by and large, are going to be West Pointers. That like, does exist, mm. but you just don't have that equivalent of what you're just what you just described, Joe. Of like the idea of like you need to have extra income from your family to be to be able to afford the fan like. Like yeah. if I if I showed up at a U.S. Army officer's thing with a bottle of port, people would be like, "Where the fuck are you, gay?" <laughs> like 
it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, however, if I show up yeah. with like, if I show up with like a novelty keg of like fucking bush light or something like that, everyone be like, hell yeah, good show, man. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, if you showed up at a God's regimental dinner, they'd probably be quite worried if you weren't gay. You know, <laughs> yeah. be, you get it in the officer's mess, you know, the, what, yeah, what happens there? I, I would just say, I would just say that, that, um, and my impression also during the global war on terror, uh, was that, the military recruiting was struggling and ROTC standards obviously re- dropped a lot because they wanted to grow the army. They wanted to bring people in. And I mean, for better or worse, you can go to college for free and be guaranteed a job. And a lot of guys did that. And so you wound up with a situation where uh, the officer corps in the US Army is, um, I think, would make a lot of British people uncomfortable because like, it is the higher you go, the more like overtly evangelical Christian it is. But, um, uh, but like by and large, like my peers were not, mm. they were not fancy they were uh they were by and large like mostly people from the suburbs but like a lot of working class people too um and it wasn't that hard to be an officer back then mm, and so like yeah it's just it's just a completely different culture even though we were fighting alongside each other in the same conflict like just completely different planet in a way yeah yeah I think though yeah. what Joe was saying about it being very different in different bits of the service is true because again even from my like incredibly limited experience like I would say most of the people I knew from Cambridge who went into the army they were into like doing doing like the most like hardcore shit that would look good on their CV and then like leaving and getting a good job so they mostly wanted to be either they wanted to be in the guards because they wanted to like network and be with all the poshos or they wanted to be in like the Gurkhas or whatever because it's like really hard to get in and it's like mm-hmm. prestigious that sort of thing and I get the impression that you get kind of there's that sort of variation and I think this happens with Enlisted as well where it's like a weird smashing together of people who are like super motivated and people who are kind of like I guess I'll join the army like you've got like yeah, yeah. kind of like one of my mates from Cambridge who's like in the Gurkhas and is like super into it and then you've got the kind of like two two from Leeds people both becoming army officers and then like I remember one of my friends worked at a law firm with a guy who'd enlisted in the British Army like from a super rough background but had done well at school and was like the youngest sergeant in the British Army and then got a scholarship to go to uni and then ended up being like the youngest yeah. like trainee at some like corporate law firm or so you know like that and then you also get guy with like no prospects goes to the army ends up being homeless like it's a weird like mixture of all of those different people I think in, in some units, another thing when I think about it is in, like it's very, it's not, I suppose the Royal Marine and the paratrooper are quite different beasts. Like the mm. Royal Marine is a rug, rugby team captain and the paratrooper is like the football team captain. Mm. But I think it's it's quite often the case I've I've heard or I know that guys, it's not about the rank so much as the unit. Like if you're desperate to be a Royal Marine, very often those guys go in front of the commissioning board, fail and join as a as a private, as a Marine anyway. Um, and it's the same with the powers. Guys will try and get in the powers as an officer, and failing that, they just want to be in the powers, so they join as a private soldier. So there's also like obviously some units have a more profound ideological kind of component, don't they? Which is probably those elite type units probably have that a lot more. Certainly, that's my my understanding here. Um, that they just want to be that thing, 